Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Thanking the Lord on your behalf and trusting that God has been good to you over the week. And it will continue to be good for the Lord is good all the time. It's just that sometimes we don't even understand His goodness. We don't see what He has a mind to do. But God is a faithful God. Amen. Praise God. I say praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, we're going to go into the word this morning and we are continuing with danger of hatred. This is going to be part number three. The danger of hatred, part number three. I need you to pay very close attention because I'm going to be illustrating from the story that Jesus gave. And I want you to see the danger of hatred. If you possess hatred, how you behave. I want you to see that when you come to the place where hatred overtakes you, your life is completely different from normal. Hallelujah. We said before that hatred is that intense hostility and aversion, usually deriving from fear, anger, or sense of injury. We've made it absolutely clear that one of the things that even cause you to become somebody to have hatred in your heart because of, it could be the success of somebody else, it could be somebody having what you have, I mean what you, you think you should have, and there's somebody else having it. It comes from the realm of jealousy, envy. Amen? It's an extreme dislike or disgust where you don't want to hear what somebody else is saying about somebody else. When somebody's name is mentioned and you feel so bad because you don't ordinarily want to hear such names mentioned out of hatred. Amen? Praise the living God. I mean, your text again is Psalm 19, I mean, Psalm 9, verse 13. Psalm number 9, verse 13. Uh, let's read that and then we'll proceed to what we have today. Hallelujah. Amen. And here is David saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. That thou lifted me up from the gate of death. And now if you look at this scripture, you find that hatred can literally subdue the one you hate. Uh, when men hate you, they try to bring you to the place of death. They try to bring you to the place of, you know, sorrow and pain. Hatred is so devastating if you possess it. And we said initially also that if you have hatred in your heart, for God has promised, I'm going to take from you the sicknesses and the afflictions of the Egyptians, and I'll put it upon those that hate you. And we said it that if you hate somebody, everything you wish in the other person reverts back to you. And that is why it is important you avoid anything that will cause you to hate somebody else. Amen. Praise the living God. Are we here this morning? Praise God. Okay. So, how powerful hatred can be is what I want to illustrate to you this morning. Um, hatred can so blind you to the realities of life. If you have hatred in your heart, you can be so blinded to the realities of life. 
that when you are supposed to offer assistance, you will never be able to do it because hatred is in your heart. When you are supposed to show love, you will not be able to do it because you have hatred in your heart. And so we want to find out from the scripture this morning again how dangerous it is and to answer the question, who is your neighbor? Uh, because Jesus gave an illustration from Luke chapter 10. I'm reading from verse 25. I want to show you the hatred, as dangerous it is, uh, that was between the Jews and the Samaritans. And then uh, Jesus asked the question, who is your neighbor? By the time we are through with this analysis, we'll be able to know who your neighbor really is. Your neighbor essentially is not the man by the next door. Your neighbor is not somebody... You met somewhere, somewhere, you're working together in the office. That is not your neighbor. Now let me not jump the gun. Let's just move on. Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Hallelujah. And we realize that eternal life is Jesus Christ himself. Is that okay? Praise God. He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all the heart, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and with all the mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, the certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise the Levites, when he was at a place, came and looked on him and pass by on the other side. Now I need you to understand these categories of people. A priest and a Levite. You should be able to understand the role and the function of these two ministries. A priest and a Levite. But we are told here, they saw the wounded man and they turned their face on the other side. What is responsible for such an act? Priests should be people who are compassionate. Levites should be people who are compassionate. How come... They see a situation that they were supposed to minister in, and yet they turn their face around. I want to make you see that this is a level of hatred. That even you as a priest can come to the place of having this kind of effectual sickness in your heart, that what you are supposed to do as a priest of God, you turn your face on the other side because of hatred. Hallelujah. But a certain Samaritan, as a journey came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The priest and the Samaritan. Find it too. I went to him and burned his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Praise God, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this is the analysis of this part of this passage we just read. Jerusalem to Jericho was a country infected 
with a lot of zealots and arm robbers. It was always a dangerous zone. You, you hear people telling you of foolish end, don't travel between Willie and Worry at a certain time because certain people are there. That's the way this road was. It was always a very bad place. I mean, the zealots were there, arm robbers along that road. So you always pray your God when you're passing through that road. Now, this was the road where Levites and priests take home after their duties in the temple in Jerusalem. When they go to Jerusalem to officiate and they're done with their ministration, their courses, they pass this road back home. Jerusalem to Jericho. So you're moving down from Jerusalem. Is that okay? The priests and the Levites went away because they would defile themselves if they touch a dead corpse. I want you to listen. One of the major reasons why they felt they cannot touch this person was for them, a priest and a Levite, if they touch a dead corpse, then they are defiled. And I want you to see something along that line. The next thing you find again is Samaria was sandwiched between Judea and Galilee. You know, it was in between city. Amen? Now, the Samaritan around 400 BC, they met as a court breed of Jews and Gentiles. It was a mixture of a race. And that's one of the reasons that the Jews hated them so much. Praise the living God. You must realize that these Samaritan people, they were actually the ones that follow Jeroboam out of the twelve tribes. So the better of the ten tribes, uh, Rehoboam had two tribes. Remember that? Good. So it was a mixture of a race. So the Jews hated them so much because they don't want to have anything to do with them. The fact they have corrupted the worship of God. And of course they have their own laws. I mean... They had their own version of the laws of Moses, which they were keeping. I'm talking about the Samaritans now. Amen. Now look at something in John chapter 4, verse number 9. John chapter 4, verse number 9. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, speaking to Jesus, How is it that thou being a Jew, accept drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The Jews have nothing to do with what? The Samaritans. No dealings. I mean, you need to understand it. Here is Jesus. He's saying, give me water to drink. Say, you are a Jew. And when you read the story, the Bible says Jesus was passing by what of necessity had to pass through that road. This is one thing you have to understand in life. As a child of God, you are here to be bridges. Between the estranged people from God and all sorts of people that were supposed to come to God. You really cannot be an effective minister or Christian if you don't have to be bridges. Amen? Now Jesus came here to build a bridge between the Jews and the Samaritans. And in so doing, what happened? He won the whole city of Samaria. Praise God. Because he learned to build bridges. And in your own thinking as a believer, if you don't learn in your heart to build bridges, you can't get people into the kingdom of God. 
You must understand that God himself built bridges between you and himself by sending Jesus to the earth. The reason he sent Christ is to be bridges between you and himself. To be able to get you back to himself. You as a child of God, this is always something that you must consider. And what is that? That in every situation, where there is issue, where there are quarreling, whatever it is, you must learn to be bridges. Praise God somebody. Are we here? And that's what the Bible talks about. You being the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, but they shall be called what? The children of God. If there is any situation, two factions, and you get to know of it as much as possible, you try to be bridges. Praise God. Are we here? Am I talking to people in this house? Hallelujah. So here, Jesus built a bridge, and he was able to get this Samaritan woman to believe in him, and not just that, went to the city, declared all that is heard about Jesus, and the whole of Samaria was given up unto the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Because he built a bridge. Now, guess this right. You see, the attitude of the Levites and the priests was completely different from the attitude of who? Of Jesus. Jesus could enter into what the Jews would not want to enter. And that is why in the truth saying Jesus does not carry the Jewish spirit. He's not a Jew, if you will. Praise God somebody. Alright. Now go with me to Luke chapter 9 again verse 51. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 9 verse 51. Now, I intend you not to forget this statement. The Samaritans are nothing, not dealing with what? With the Jews. Nothing. They don't want to have anything. Some of you live that way. And that's because of the kind of hatred that was in the heart of these people. You don't want to have anything to do with some people. You don't want to have anything if, if they mention and then you just get mad. You don't want to have anything to do with supposedly people you call your friends before. Maybe there's a misunderstanding between you. Now you don't want to have anything to do with those people. You don't have the right spirit. Something is wrong in your mind. Praise God somebody. Are we here? Luke chapter 9 verse 51. Bible said it came to pass. When the time was come that he should be received up. He separately set his face to go to Jerusalem. The next season. And sent messenger before his face. And he went and entered into a village of the Samaritans. To make ready for him. Follow it now. What's the next thing? And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Now, you need to get this point. Because there's something I want you to see now. What's the next thing? And when he decided, James and John saw this. They said, Lord, without that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did, why are they making this request? Because it's a Samaritan village. You see what hatred can do? Are you done with me? But now, the verse 53 tells us that Jesus was not supposed to actually enter into the city because his face was unto Jerusalem. They never saw that in the spirit. But because of hatred, they said, Come on, allow us. Let's go down fire. It's like saying, Here is an enemy. Here is an opportunity to deal with them. And that's what you do. How many of you are still praying the same fire prayer against your enemies today? You are just like these people. 
Are you still with me? Praise the living God. Now look at the next thing. The Bible says, But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. You don't understand the spirit that has come into you. You don't understand the man you are following. You don't understand the new life you have received. You don't understand the spirit of Christ with which you are not living. You don't understand it. Praise God. Now I'm, I'm just trying to remind you that the ultimate reason why they requested that they called on fire was because the village belonged to the Samaritan people. So, it was like, now we have opportunity to deal with these enemies. And some of you think that way. Every privilege you have, you want to use it when you come to the place. How many of you understand the Bible talks about David being a man after God's own heart? He had a privilege, opportunity to deal with Saul, but it would not touch him. How do you behave when you have opportunities against your enemy? What do you do? When you have the privilege of dealing with your enemy, what do you do? If you have a chance, the man you call your enemy, and you have a chance to destroy that individual, what comes to your mind? Praise God somebody. And so the people say, let's destroy these people. This is an opportunity. After all, they hate us. We have nothing to do with them. And now, they will not even allow you to pass through that place. Come on. Give us the privilege to do that. And Jesus said, you don't understand the kind of spirit that's in your life. Are you truly a Christian? There's a big difference between a Christian and a man that's just walking as a religious person. Are you smelling what I'm talking about? Look at the priest, look at the Levite. They were religious people. They will have nothing to do with the issue on ground. Praise God. Okay. So, and he turned and he rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. What's the next scene? Verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went toward another village. Praise God, somebody. Hallelujah. You know, it is also possible that the Samaritan villagers, they also recognize that this man is a Jew. And the Samaritan will not have anything to do with what? With the Jews. Praise God. Did you get that? I need you to see where Jesus is coming from. I need you to understand this parable, this story that he was painting. I need you to begin to understand the kind of spirit that's in your life as a child of God. I need you to come to that place. Sometimes when I hear in uh, those villages, Amede, Igbide, these, these fighting, killing themselves. I don't understand. And in the midst of all this, we have Christians in this land. We have Christians in those places. If the truth of the matter is, we don't understand yet the kind of spirit that we are made of. We don't. Praise the living God. And sometimes we say, Pastor Malit, they're taking our lands. <laughs> if you understand what it means to live with your neighbor, if you understand what it means to walk in the heart of God, think about this. Lot and Abraham. They were dragging lions. I mean, if you understand that. But what happened? Abraham came down and said, you can allow yourself. You make the first choice. Take the best you want. And he chose Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah at the end of the day? Everything Lord chose was destroyed. Somebody don't understand. The land belongs to God. No man can encroach on another man's land. You've had to understand that 
it could be possible that that piece of land that you are dragging for, there is nothing there. The one that will be left to you could have oil, could have gold, could have diamond. You don't understand how God rewards you. Praise the living God. Look at the choice that Lot made. So here is it. Samaritan said, we don't want this man because they're Jew. The Jew said, let's kill them because they are enemies. And you live that way. When you have opportunity to make provision for people, you don't do it because it's an enemy. You ought not to believe in that way. That's not a Christian life. It's hatred that's working in your heart. I gave you a story here some time ago. Very pathetic story. The headmaster at ICS in those days, only. Now, he was there and here was a teacher that was working under him. And this headmaster was so brutal. At the end of the day, that man that he was dealing with so harshly became the registrar of the University of Botaikot. And here comes the son of that man who got admission to university and went in for clearance or whatever the case may be. And by the time he called the father's name, the register asked him the question, are you from this place? Say yes. Was your father the headmaster of that school? He said yes. Okay. I was once a teacher under your father. Now you go back and tell your father that you have the admission, but I'm not admitting you. Go back him and tell him that that teacher that he used to deal with is now the registrar of the university. He paid back, yes, but that was not supposed to be the right spirit. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. It's not supposed to be. No matter what anybody have done to you, no, there is no payback when it comes to Christ. It's one thing that stands strong in your spirit, forgiveness. He said, pray for your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. And so when you have opportunity to do good to your enemy, do it. The next time I'm going to show you what it means to do good to your enemy. But let's move on. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Are we together here? Alright. So Jesus rebuked them. Now, but you realize that we see our people who walk and think the way this, 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 this disciples of Jesus were thinking. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You think about our ministries today. Think about how we pray. Think about the kind of things we say. Think about the prayers we pray. I mean, just think about that. I was sharing the other day with, with, I think, pastor, and we're talking about it. You know, people tell you, well, when we pray, enemy fall down, enemy fall down, we're not really talking about the people, we're talking about the spirit behind them. But how many of you understand that spirit don't die? It's the people you are killing, not the spirit. Hallelujah. No, 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 don't excuse yourself for doing wrong thing. You say, no, it's the spirit in the people. Spirit don't die. The spirit that was in the hands, I mean, of the, of the madman, the cemetery, what happened? When Jesus came, said, permit us to go into the swine's head. Spirit don't die. So when you say fall and die, it's the people you are actually killing. Don't tell me you're killing the spirit. Where are you going to see a spirit die? If spirit were to be dying, the devil shall be dead all along. Look at the number of prayers that are praying all over the world for the devil to die. Where is the devil today? Is he dead? Where is the cemetery where he buried the devil? Spirit don't die. Praise God somebody. So when you say fall and die, you are actually telling the people to die. And you tell me something. You already have hatred in your spirit. And when the person dies, you rejoice this. But that is not the spirit of Christ. You may get results, but what's going to be your reward with the Father? 
Hallelujah. Are we here? Okay. So, they wanted to destroy these people because they refused him to pass through that place. Go with me to John chapter 8 verse 47. John 8:47. He that is of the God heareth God's words. Ye therefore them that because ye are not of God. Then answer the Jews. Now they are talking to Jesus. Jesus was speaking to the Jews, speaking to the Pharisees, whatever. They answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we know where that thou art what? A Samaritan and has a devil. You can imagine that. Praise the living God. I mean, look at the level of hatred in the heart of the Jews towards the Samaritans. That Jesus was saying something different from what they said. Oh no, we know you are a Samaritan. And that, that means you have a devil on your inside. Think about it. Praise God. So most times you see people who don't agree with you to be Samaritans in your spirit. You feel they have a devil. That's why you want to kill them. <laughs> Praise God. Say so we know that you are a, I mean, you must, you are not a Jew, you are a Samaritan. A Jew will not act this way. This is the action, the speech, and the words of the Samaritan. Therefore, you have a devil on your inside. Praise God, somebody. Are you there with me? Now, the Jews felt any village that a Samaritan enters into is already unclean. I want to see the level of hatred. And that's why some people that you don't want to see at all, it's possible when you come to church and they sit on that seat, you will never sit on that seat all the days of your life, as long as you're in that church. Now, I'm just telling you what is practical about what people do. Are you there with me? That's why when the usher tells you to sit there, you remember, the person you hated sat on that seat before he knows it, I'm going this way. Any city that the Samaritan entered, the Jews felt, is already unclean, they can't go there anymore. That's how powerful the hatred was. Are you still there with me? Come on. Is anybody listening to me? I'm telling you the power and the danger in what? In hatred. It eats you up. You can't see. You become blind. Your reasonings are thwarted. You can't think straight. Because hatred is in your heart. Against somebody. Look at this one. Enter a city. So, somebody can enter that place. No, no, no. That place is unclean. Even if they have something good in that city, they won't go there anymore because Samaritan entered that place. And some of you lose out of the things God has for you because you feel that somebody you hated is in that place. Some of you, you lose out in the provision God has made because somebody you hated passed through that door. You miss it. Are you still there with me? Praise God. To eat the bread of a Samaritan is to eat swine's flesh. By implication, if a Samaritan woman bakes bread, you as a Jew, you can't buy it. Because if you do, it's like eating swine's flesh. That's pig. You know, pig was forbidden for the Jews. Yeah. So the bread of a Samaritan was a forbidden thing. And some of you, that's the same thing you walk into. Bread gives life. Some of the things we are supposed to have life, opportunities that you have, employment that you can get. Because somebody you feel you hate at this in that place, you don't go there. You lose out. Because of hatred. Are you still following what I'm saying here? 
Whatever a Samaritan touches is completely what? Unclean. I want you to understand that. Hallelujah. Come on, are we here together? Anything a Samaritan woman or person touches, that thing, as far as the Jews is concerned, is unclean. They can't make use of it anymore. <laughs> I hope some of you, you avoid the microphone because somebody you don't like is under the microphone. <laughs> Praise God, somebody. I mean, we have all crazy things going on. It might be funny, but I'm just being honest with you. Hallelujah. Are we see here? Praise God. While on pilgrimages, Galilean Jews were frequently attacking them. In other words, when the Samaritans are going on pilgrimage, the Galilean Jews will sort them out to attack them. See, when it comes to the issue of being a Samaritan or Samaritan, man, your life is finished where the Jews are concerned. It shouldn't be so. How many of you understand the true sense? They are all the children of Abraham. How many of you understand that? In fact, they made the statement, Abraham gave all this well. They can't even think about the source they came from. They were just blinded by religion, blinded by hatred. And you do the same thing. You can't for any reason as a believer. Hate anybody that's a human being. You can't. Because all of us have one blood. Hallelujah. We are from one blood, one father, one spirit. You can't for any reason hate anybody. You must think about your roots. No matter what happens, praise God. The Samaritans, as far as the Jews were concerned, they were worse than the Romans in their eyes. You know the Romans, they brought the Jews under subjection. They were paying tax to Rome. They were supposed to be the toughest enemies as far as the Jews were concerned. But for the Jews, no, no, no. The Samaritans are worse. In other words, if you put a Samaritan and a Roman person in one place, they will choose the Roman person than the choose Samaritan. The level of hatred. Even though they are from the same grandfather, from the same Abraham, but who prefer to choose a Gentile than to choose a Samaritan. Why? Because of hatred. Hallelujah. Oil and wine, we are made to understand where the object of the priest. So by implication, this Levite and the priest, they were supposed to make use of those things. They could not. By implication, what you are supposed to do for your enemy, you refuse to do it because you feel that person is an enemy. Because the oil and wine that this person bought are sacred object to the priest. Only the priest were meant to be using those things. Praise the living God. So, with all of this analysis, who is your neighbor? I want you to think right now. Jesus has given this story. He has analyzed all of those things. The man that carried the person that was injured was a Samaritan. Are you following what I'm talking about? The priest did not do it. The Levite did not do it. Who then was a neighbor? To this man that was wounded, the Samaritan. Are you getting that? Come on. Is anybody understand what I'm talking about? Who was a neighbor to the man? The Samaritan. And Jesus was taking something very profound with this illustration. Your neighbor is your enemy. 
Did you get that? Maybe you didn't hear what I said. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. Is anybody following what I'm saying here? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is your enemy. In the language of Jesus Christ. Did you get that? So your neighbor is not the man that is in the next door. Your neighbor is the man that you ought to be, you, you hate. Look, you understand this now? I, I need you to understand what Jesus was teaching. Who is your neighbor? Think about that. Your neighbor is not the person next door. Your neighbor is not the man opposite the street. No, that is not your neighbor. Anyone you consider you be your enemy, that becomes your neighbor instantly. And God intends you to do good to that man. Are you listening to me? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is not the next man at your shop. Your neighbor is the next man on the tall street. That is not your neighbor. Oh, glory. Somebody needs to understand what I'm talking about here. You see the depth of hatred. It blinds you to the reality of who your neighbor is. It blinds you to the reality of who God is. I've been the father of all spirit. It blinds you to the reality of the father that in living in harmony, peace will be on the face of the earth. Hatred takes all of those things away from your mind. By implication, you're thinking straight. Amen? Now, when the man becomes your enemy, you recognize this man is your enemy, automatically becomes what? Your neighbor. How many of you have neighbors right now? Think about that. Praise the living God. Are you still following what I'm talking about? Amen? Now, when it comes to being your neighbor's keeper, as it were, there is no line of demarcation, no question about your past history. Look at that. The Samaritan person saw this person lie down there. He didn't find out who the person was. He didn't ask the question, is this a Jew or a Samaritan? Are you listening to me? He went straight and assisted the man without thinking about the person's background. You don't consider people's foundation, people's background, people's community before you heard them. You are not a Christian if you're thinking all of that. Oh, this man is an German. Oh, this man is an Ichakriman. I'm an Urobo. You can't think that as a believer. You don't think to the background of those individuals. The man that you need to help qualifies your help. You go straight on helping. It doesn't matter where the person is coming from. The man, the Samaritan, that lifted up this individual, I didn't ask the question. Because if it was a Jew, they would have been able to first identify who the person was. And if they have found out that this man is a Samaritan, they will not help him. You remember that? How do you help people? What inform your having people? Is it a person from your community alone? Oh, this man is from my village. Oh, this man was my grand great grandfather's senior brother's brother. I mean, is that what makes you help people? You have no understanding. If you truly want to walk with the Spirit of Christ, you don't find out a background of people. No matter what happened, you don't find out a background of people. I gave you a story here some time ago. I went to the village in those days. And it was not a big village, very small village. A zero, they call it. When I was in school, so I came back and rain drenched me. I just came back, dropped my things, changed my clothes. The first thing I do when I come to the village is to go around every house and greet all the people. That's the first thing I do. So I dropped my things, changed, and I went around greeting people. And my mom just called me, hey, come. I know you're going to go around the poor place now. I, I say, yes. You say, look. 
You see that man? He said, that man's house. Don't enter that man's house. I said, what's he mean? What do you mean? Not? He said, don't enter that house. I'm just telling you. The man quarreled with me. The man insulted me. I mean, she was just rapping. I said nothing. I said, okay, okay. Okay, mom, I've had you. I just went around. And when I came down to the guy's house, the guy was eating. I sat down. I sat eating. All of a sudden, my mom got to, he sends her. Where is this guy? And he walked around and he saw me eating with the man. And when I was coming back and he said, where did you go to? You went to eat in, in Paul's house. The man said, Miss Paul, you went to eat in Paul's house. I told you don't even go there. You went there to eat. I told my mom, listen, you're already an old man. Where you're going to is nearer than my life. You don't have to own enemy for me to possess. Your enemy is your enemy. I don't have one. I don't know if you get what I'm talking about. Oh, you can create problem for yourself and then you want to rub it on me? No. When sooner or later you are going then, I mean you are, you are traveling away. And then you leave me with these people. You create enemies for me. I say, no, I can't take that from you. Praise God somebody. Are you following what I'm talking about? But guess what? When my mom fainted and was dying, it was that man that came to join my mother, my father, to resuscitate my mom. That same man. Amen? So you don't have to have a limit in such a way that you can't break out of your mind. You can't do that. And like I said, that man was not thinking about what happened between himself and my mom. He may have forgotten. He's not thinking about it. But my mom is holding it against him. You hold grudges against people when those people must have even forgotten about what led to the problem. And that's why your life is not free. That's why there are demons in your life that are troubling you every day. Because you hold grudges against people. Praise God somebody. So this man came in. He didn't check the background of this man. He assisted. That's how to show love. I'm talking about the true love of Christ. You don't find out the background of people. You don't find out where they come from. You don't find out who their father was. You can't do that as a believer. Love not affected with social or religious consideration. When we talk about the true love of Jesus Christ, it is not affected by social or religious consideration. It doesn't matter whether it's a Muslim. It doesn't matter whether it's a halot. It doesn't matter whether it's a drug addict. It makes no difference. It doesn't matter whether the person is in the ghetto. No! The slums of a jugular, it have no consideration for social background of people. The true love of Jesus. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. And so this man came in, like I'm saying, Samaritan came in, the man he hated so much, saw this man, didn't ask any question, went on, he didn't ask which religion he belonged to. How many of you have the same problem? Sometimes you look at people and say, which religion are you? Are you a Muslim? Are you whether? You know, you, you don't need to ask those questions, they are not necessary. I remember one time somebody came to me and he said, I want to leave the company I'm saying I need you to pray for me. I said, what happened to the company? Say the landlord is a Muslim. And so what? Does he come to your house to pray? He said, no. He believed that since the Muslim, the atmosphere, the, you know, the atmosphere, some, some, some demons, you know, that kind of a thing. I said, it's you that have demons, not the man. You are the one who have demons, not the man. Amen? Till tomorrow, my landlord over there at Tejeba is a Muslim. And it's one of the best friends I've had in life. 
One of the best friends I've had in life. He visited me twice here. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it depends on the spirit in your life. Sometimes he calls me and said, I've seen Christians, but I've never seen your type of Christians amongst people. That if every Christian were to be like you, there would be more harmony amongst people. Praise the living God. We have another spirit, not the spirit of the world. We have another spirit, not the spirit of our forefathers. We have another spirit. You know what Jesus told them? You know not what manner of spirit you are made of. When it is time for help, you don't consider whether the person is Muslim, whether it's a Jew, whether it's a Buddhist, that have nothing to do with you. You don't find out. That's the love of Christ. Praise the living God. True Christ's love is very inconveniencing. Why did I say that? The Samaritan saw, got off his donkey, he left his comfort. How many of you understand what I'm saying there? He saw this man step out of his donkey. So it's like he was driving his car, he saw this issue, he packed his car, and then decided to help this person. True Christian love is very inconveniencing. He left the position of comfort that he was. Amen? Come on, did you follow what I said there? If you really want to show the true love of Christ, it's very inconveniencing. Your comfort is not into consideration when you need to help people. That is you breaking out from the spirit of hatred. Your comfort is no longer in consideration. That's the true spirit of Christ. The true love of Christ. This man left his donkey. His means of comfort. And you know one thing? True Christ's love is very risky. This man left his donkey. Remember, Jerusalem to Jericho is an infected area with robbers and zealots. What about if what this man saw was a trick to trap him? Are you following what I'm talking about? True Christian love is risky. This man does not only leave his comfort. He came out, took this man on his donkey and started walking instead of riding on the donkey. Can you leave your comfort for somebody's good? Praise the living God somebody. Let me think about that. Jesus left the comfort of heaven just to come and meet with you. And as the spirit wants you to demonstrate can you leave the comfort you have for the good of somebody? Just to make sure you're helping somebody. Can you forsake your comfort? That which is more precious to you. Can you trade it out? Can you take a risk because of somebody? Praise the living God. When you start walking in the spirit of Christ, you can take any risk anywhere because of a human being. Irrespective of who the person is. Irrespective of where he comes from. Irrespective of religious understanding or background or affiliation. No. The true spirit of Christ will forsake all of those things. You don't check the background. You can take a risk. You may get out of your comfort zone just to make sure you help somebody else. That's the spirit that you're possessed with. Amen somebody? Love takes time. True love. That's why First Corinthians said love is patient. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? What happened? He got to the plane, stepped out of his donkey, took this man to the donkey, and was the next thing, and started walking instead of riding. 
He was patient enough to trek until he got to the inn where he was going to pay this man. True Christian love is patient. Are you following me? He took his time. He was not in a hurry anymore. Perhaps he had an appointment. He was going to miss the appointment just because he needed to help somebody. He took the man on the donkey and started walking to the inn. He started riding to be fast to get to where he was going to. No. He went slowly with patience to make sure this man is what? Assisted. True Christian love is expensive. Are you noting the things I'm talking about? True Christian love does not consider your background. True Christian love is a risk. True Christian love is patient. Are you following what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm saying again, the true Christian love is expensive. And he does say that. He paid for 24 days on the inn. Gave an open check that if what I have paid now is not enough to take care of him, cash this check and make up the balance. How much do you think you can spend on somebody who needs help? Think about that. True Christian love is what? It's expensive. No wonder Jesus, the only son of God, was given to us. He paid the best of price just to get you back to him. True Christian love is expensive. This man gave an open check. He has paid for 24 days. And he said, oh no, assuming it's not enough, cash this check and make up the balance. Who is your neighbor? Can you truly do that for an enemy? Praise God somebody. So now look at the book of Luke chapter 6 verse 35. Am I helping anybody? You, you need to be free people. You need to live a free life as a believer. You need to live a life of love and joy and peace as a believer. Look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 6 verse 35. But love your friends. Is that what he said? <laughs> Hallelujah. Love those people from your community. Love only those who are bearing your surname. Are you see here? Love only Nigerians because you are not from Malaysia. <laughs> and you see, feeling you are a Christian. Jesus said, Love your what? Enemies. Do good. Lend. Hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest. For his kind unto the thankful and to the evil. Are you done with me? Love your what? Enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. How many of you understand that? The Samaritan. Oh, what did what did you see that? Is it John six? What did I, did I say? John or Luke? I said Luke. Huh? I said Luke. Right. But you're giving me okay. Look at this. Love your enemies. Do good 
and lend. Give to who? To your enemies. Hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the world. Unthankful unto the evil. That's what qualifies you to be a child of God. Do you realize the Samaritan did what he did? Took the risk? Make the love available? Pay all of the bills without expecting anything from anybody? He wasn't doing that to get reward from the government. No, no, no. Praise the living God. Are you following me? You don't do good because you want to get reward. So I was saying this morning about sowing seed. It's not all the time you sow seed, you begin to think about getting reward. There's always a harvest. God is going to give you the harvest, but you are not thinking about a harvest when you're doing what you're doing. You just do good. But your reward will come. And you are doing good, you, have, you don't have to discriminate when you're doing your good. You don't do good because somebody from your land, your community, your family, your tribe, that is not qualifies you to do good to the person. That's not qualified people to receive your help. No, you do good because everything you do is God that does what? That rewards you. Praise the living God, somebody. True love, finally, jeopardizes your social status. True love of Christ will take away your dignity. Are you there with me? What am I trying to say? This Samaritan, remember, they don't have anything to do with the Jewish man. And the fact that the Samaritan had to stoop down too low to do that. What do you think will happen to him when he's get back home? The society of the Samarians we ostracize him. You've gone to have fellowship with an enemy. You've gone to do good to an enemy. So his social status is reduced, is damaged. True love does not consider your social status. Did you understand what I'm talking about? True love doesn't do that. That's how I was sharing the other day. You see, the Bible tells us, when you want to organize a party, it says go look for those who cannot invite you in return. Have you read under your Bible? That is to say, don't stay and maintain your social status in so doing you invite only rich people only those who can because one day they will also invite you that is no love as far as the gospel and Christ is concerned that's why I say when you're doing your party you're organizing your birthday party you're doing whatever ceremony you're doing go invite the people who cannot invite you back for he that lends to the poor shall be rewarded by who? By God. He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Because the poor cannot reward you back. This man did what he did without thinking of who is going to reward him. And not just that, he jeopardizes his social status so that the Samaritan will see him to be somebody who has broken the barrier to go and step into the camp of an enemy to assist an enemy. They want to keep him away. That's why you make some laws in your place sometimes. Don't cross there. Don't go to that person. Don't go to that. Don't do that. You try to separate your people. Not to assist or to relate with other people. Praise the living God somebody. You even do that for your children. 
Some of you, some of you are growing up like I was illustrating with my mother. Some of you are growing up, and you know what you do to your children? You try to tell them what their grandfather did. You try to tell them how they hurt your father. You try to tell them stories. You don't know what you are doing. You're building barriers between your children and those people. Anytime they see those people from that community or from that family, I say, I remember what my father told me. Praise the living God, somebody. That is not how to raise a family. That is not how to raise children. So we end up being the one poisoning our children. I know we do that sometimes in the way of well, you're teaching them not to be whatever. But you know what happened? They used to tell us when you go out, don't eat in that person's house. Have you heard that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't eat there. Don't eat there. Now, they tell you other place where you can eat. But this one, don't eat there. Don't eat there. These are children growing up. What are you setting in their heart? You just say them, if you want to say that, just say them, don't take from anybody. Instead of saying, don't take from A, don't take from C, don't take from D. Don't eat there, don't eat there. The next thing I'm going to ask you, why do you say it's not eating in this person's house? And then you begin to bring their stories. Now you poison the heart of that child towards those people. And when their children are growing up, they are going to be growing up with that thing. You're just spreading, creating a demarcation, creating a valley, separating these people gradually. Even their own grandchildren, the two families will just go apart in life because of what you told them in the beginning. You are not a Christian. Allow people to grow. Allow them to live their lives. Praise God somebody. Are you following what I'm talking about? There are some families in community they don't relate at all. I mean, if you understand what I'm saying, they don't relate at all. And the children are going up, don't go to that family. So, from generation to generation, there's a demarcation. Yeah, they are in the same city. Yeah, they are the same village. Yeah, they are the same community. Man, you can live that way. That is not hard to be a Christian. Praise God, somebody. Don't forget what I'm saying. True love does not consider the background of the person you want to help. Are you still following me? It's so important. I'm saying it for your own good. Now, everything we've said here, Jesus answered a simple question. Who is your neighbor? And who is your neighbor? Your enemy is your neighbor. So do good to your enemies. That's what the Bible says. Never allow hatred to block you against the things you are supposed to do. Don't allow the spirit of hatred to choke you up, not to do what you are supposed to do. You see somebody you need, and you have the ability to do it, please do good. No matter who the person is, no matter what tribe, no matter what level of society is, no matter what religion is, I mean, that's the greatest part. This man is a Christian, this one is a Muslim, this man is a Christian, this one is a Buddhist, therefore you have nothing to do. Man, take away religion, see God in everybody. I told you the last time, when you look at people, if anybody asks you, what's the opposite of God? Opposite of God is not the devil, I mentioned that to you. What is the opposite of God? Opposite of God is God. Because God dwells in you. So if I'm looking at you, God is looking at me. Opposite of God is God. Opposite of God is not the devil. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. He doesn't see evil. He sees good. Praise God somebody. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.